everybody. Good morning, everyone. You'll, you'll learn this if you haven't already. There's nothing like chapel at North Central University. There's nothing like it in the whole world. I've been to a lot of churches in my life. I've been to a lot of chapels in my life. There's nothing like the spirit in this place uh, at North Central University. And uh, I, I think um, there's a lot of reasons for that. But I think there's a lot of focus from our leader, President Hagan, to keep Chapel Center. Uh, and that's to be commended. Thank you, President Hagan, for that. All right. Um, well, it is uh, just such a privilege to be here. I, I know a lot of people say this. I was a student here at North Central, and so I sat in a lot of the chairs that you're sitting in right now um, about the time that a lot of you were born. Uh, I found out recently through Welcome Week that I am about as old as our... Uh, I've been at North Central for as long as many students have been alive, and that is making me feel uncomfortable. And so um, <laughs> um, I don't feel old, but when I'm here, I feel old, you know? Um, so before I go too much further, I want to introduce you to some of my very favorite people in the whole world. So this is my family. A lot of people get, I love my family. This is Bree. Bree's on the side. Uh, I chose that picture because I really liked my beard in that picture. And uh, I miss it, but she told me she wouldn't kiss me anymore if I still had that beard. And so the beard went the next day. Um, my, uh, my wife is, is literally the strongest person that I know. And she is, uh, she's incredible at just about everything she does. She runs marathons. She, uh, takes care of our family so well. She works as a private wealth advisor downtown. Uh, she just does it all and does it so incredibly. My daughter, Reagan is the one on the right. She is eight, uh, or 14. I'm unsure, uh, at different times. And, uh, she is, uh, she is a 2031 commit to North Central University, 2031. She told me, she's like, Dad, if I come to North Central, can we have lunch every day in the cafeteria? And I said, Reagan, it's already on my calendar. 100% sure she'll change her mind by the time she gets here. Uh, but for the meantime, it's locked in. I'm ready to go. She also told me, she's like, Dad, if I come here, can I, like, can I room with one of my friends? And I'm like, literally, you're talking to the best person. I can make that happen for you. That's what I do. I oversee housing at North Central. I would be happy to do that. My son, Boston, is right over here. He is uh, the cutest kid in the entire world. I asked him, Boston, do you, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, Dad, I want to be a ninja. And I said, that is a, that's legitimate. And then I asked him, uh, Boston, uh, this was a while later, I was like, Boston, do you want to come to North Central? And he's like, Dad, I do, but I'm not going to go to college. And I said, oh, where are you going to go? And he's like, I'm going to go to ninja school. So if by 2033 we have a ninja course, Vice President, uh, my son will be a 2033 commit. And then my youngest son, Paxton, he is four, and he is giving us a run for our money at the moment. He is uh, single-handedly the cutest child in the entire world and also uh, just makes me want to pull my hair out. He's incredible. It lives in one tiny little person. It's incredible. All right, so uh, today I wanted to talk uh, a little bit about the idea of faithfulness. And uh, for some of you who know me or uh, are friends with me on Facebook or Instagram or anything, you know that I have been running for a little while. And so uh, if we zoom back to April 10th, 2020, 
Uh, the world was uh, pretty tumultuous at that moment. It's not so much better right now, but it's a little bit better. Uh, April 2020, um, I decided to go for a run that day. It's not super uncommon for me to run, but I decided, you know, I'm going to go for a run. And then the next day, I was like, I'm going to go for another run, and then another run. And then all of a sudden, it was a week that I had run straight. And I was like, well, wouldn't it be interesting if I ran two weeks in a row? And so I ran two weeks in a row. And then I said, wouldn't it be interesting if I ran a month? And uh, in a row uh, without stopping, and, uh, and I did. And then I was like, wouldn't it be interesting if I did two months, and then it was 100 days, and then it was 300 days, and then it was a year, and then uh, as of this morning when I ran, I've run for 529 days in a row. 529 days in a row. And here's, usually when I tell people that, they'll say something like, man, I wish I loved running. And here is a secret, I don't love running. I do not love running, right? Every single morning when I get up and I put my shoes on, I put my running clothes on, I step out the front door, it's not because I love it or because I want to do it, it's because I'm committed to it, right? I'm committed to doing it regardless of how I feel in the moment, right? And that's a lesson for all of us right there. Um, but I think uh, something I've really enjoyed about running, oh, I meant to tell you this. So I run up this hill every single morning. Uh, it's called, I call it the Upton Hill. It's on Upton Street. So it's not a very creative name, uh, but it's on Upton, and I run up this hill, and every single morning, two-thirds of the way up, I want to quit. Every single morning. And I thought to myself, 529 days into this, shouldn't this be easier than what it is right now? And the answer is no, because faithfulness is a decision every single day. I decide every single day I'm not going to quit at what I do. And I think that's, a, again, I think that's a lesson for all of us. And I think one of the things I really enjoy about this running streak, it, it has nothing to do with skill. I'm not a good runner, right? I really enjoy running, but I also super enjoy chips, right? And um, so it has nothing to do with skill. I'm not fast. I don't run the farthest, right? I, uh, it's not about skill, uh, but it is about discipline. It's not about my ability, uh, but it's about faithfulness. Uh, and that's what I want to talk about today. So I want to talk about the idea of faithfulness. When I think of faithfulness, a couple things pop into my head, right? I think about uh, being faithful to my church, right? I think about being faithful to my job. I think about being faithful to my friends, my family, my coworkers. I'm not sure what you think about uh, when you think about faithfulness, uh, but it's a concept that I think a lot of us have grown up with. I want to, I, I, I became aware of this concept a little bit ago, and, and I want to introduce this as a, as a definition for faithfulness. Eugene Peterson uh, wrote a book about discipleship, and in it he called discipleship a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. And that's how I'd like to talk about faithfulness this morning. Faithfulness is repetitive, Right? It's a repetitive obedience. It's a repetitive faithfulness to do the right things, to follow the Lord well for the long haul. Not for the short term, but for the long haul. And I think in Scripture, I think a lot of us who have grown up in Scripture, we read Scripture and we, we kind of glance over whole verses, right? I'm reading the Old Testament right now. I'm looking at the story of Noah. And Noah, when he's asked to build the ark, is about 500-some years old, right? He's 500 years old. Scholars think it took maybe 70 to 120 years for the ark to be built, Every single day, Noah had to get up. He had to go back to the plans. He had to say, all right, we're going to work on this part of the ark today. We're going to do this. I think about the story of Abraham, right? Abraham, he's told he's going to be the father of a nation. He doesn't have any kids. So what does he do? For 23 or 25 years, he lives faithfully until the Lord brings about that promise in his life. 23 to 25 years. One of my favorite stories in scripture is the story of Joseph. 
and uh, Joseph, right? He's he's given these visions as a child, and then uh, and then he uh, his his plan is a little bit derailed, right? He gets sold into slavery. He, what does he do? He serves Potiphar well. Uh, then he gets thrown into jail, and he serves the jailer well, right? But that's that's decades of time in between the promise and the realization of that promise. And man, I, I, if I could say anything to you today is that faithfulness is not a one-time decision. Faithfulness is an everyday kind of decision. So that's going to bring us to the book of Daniel. So I'm going to talk about Daniel for a little bit today. Um, if you have been around church for any amount of time or Sunday school, get up for Sunday school, uh, Sunday school, you know about the story of Daniel in the lion's den. You know Daniel was taken from his homeland when he was young, right? We talked about this in terms of education, right? He was re-educated into the Babylonian society. He showed promise, so he was given a chance, right? People did some aptitude tests on him. They probably did the Enneagram. It was probably Myers-Briggs, probably something like that. And they were like, oh, this guy's a seven. We'll take him, you know? <laughs> that was for you, Jocelyn. Um, he proved himself up to the task at every opportunity that he was given, right? Daniel was given opportunity after opportunity, and every single time he proved himself up to the task, right? He had the opportunity to, uh, to uh, interpret dreams and give uh, guidance and give counsel to the kings, and they listened because he proved himself up to the challenge. He continually rises through the ranks until we get to Daniel chapter 6, and that's what we're going to read today. Daniel chapter 6. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, And he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. And because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. There was nothing. They couldn't find anything, right? This guy was faithful day in and day out. He was always faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection to the rules of his religion, right? So these guys, they, they, they find him, they see him as an obstacle. They see him as a challenge to them having power and amassing power. So they decide, we got to get rid of Daniel. And, and they're, I think a way that people do that is they're like, all right, let's follow the money. Let's follow his integrity. Let's follow his faithfulness. And in that, they couldn't find a single thing wrong with Daniel. They searched him and they couldn't find a single thing wrong to take him down. So what did they do? They went after his faith. So these rulers, they go to the king and they say, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we created a rule that for the next 30 days, no one can worship to anyone but you? which sounds so familiar from a couple chapters before of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown into the fiery furnace. There's this incredible ego of the king that, yes, I alone, I want to be worshipped more than anyone else. It's just this interesting connection, uh, which is a sidebar on, on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but I always ask in that story, where is Daniel? How did he avoid the fiery furnace? Right? That is a question that scholars are still working on. Some of our scholars should be working on that question. That's a big one. Um, so they go to the king, and the king agrees, right? And so uh, in verse 10, it says, But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home. He knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. 
Scripture says that, that the people that were trying to trap him knew exactly what he was going to do, right? He was going to go into his upper room, and he was going to pray three times a day. His windows were going to be open. He was going to be facing Jerusalem. They knew that he was going to do that. His faithfulness was so evident that it was easy to trap him because they knew that his faithfulness was so consistent. It was so repetitive. It was going to happen over and over and over again. And so I always think to myself, Daniel, just for that day, could you have maybe not opened your window? Just, just for that day, could you maybe have prayed downstairs, right? Just for that day, maybe could you have mixed up the timing of your prayer, right? Or could you have prayed where no one would have seen you, right? Or just, you know, prayed in like a nonchalant way where you're kind of like praying internally but not outwardly so that no one would know you're praying. Why would Daniel, even though he knew what the consequences might be, why would he continue to do the same thing that he knew could potentially have really significant consequences, because Daniel was faithful. I want to talk about three things. Number one, faithfulness chooses consistency over comfort. Faithfulness chooses consistency over comfort. Daniel had a track record of being faithful. Everyone knew that he was faithful. Scripture says so much so that when the king condemned him to death in the lion's den, that he said, may your God who you serve so faithfully rescue you. Everyone knew that Daniel was committed. He was faithful not only to uh, the Lord, but also to the king. Ever since he had been a teenager, he had proved himself faithful. Pastor Hagen preached a message a couple weeks ago about uh, uh, from the time that Daniel entered Babylon. He went on a 70-year run. This is part of that 70-year run where Daniel was being faithful consistently, and it was, it was marked by his improvement, by his increase in the, in the society in Babylon. Faithfulness is not always flashy and exciting, right? It's like running. When I, when I get up in the morning, I get up at 5.30 every morning. I get up at 5.30, which is different than a lot of people that aren't here that are still sleeping, apparently. Um, when I get up at 5.30 in the morning, I get up, I put my shoes on, I go out for a run. Right now, it's not even light outside when I'm out there. It's not fun. Very few times is it actually fun. I'm out there, I'm running. It's not flashy, it's not exciting, but I'm doing the work that I need to do uh, because I'm committed. It's uh, what is faithfulness? It's doing the right thing even though no one is ever going to see you, right? It's doing the right thing even though no one is ever going to see you. I'm not even talking about sin necessarily, but I'm talking about the positive things, the things that you do that are so good that you're not doing because you want to be noticed, right? Faithfulness is doing the right thing even though someone might never see you. It's having high integrity even when you could get away with it. That's what faithfulness is. It's having high integrity even if you could get away with it. I heard a quote one time that said, talent and skills will open doors for you. Your talent, students at North Central, will open doors for you. When you leave North Central and you apply, your talent and your skills will open doors for you. Your preparation and your faithfulness will keep you there. I've lived long enough now to watch my friends, some of my friends, get promoted into these positions that was uh, outside of their character, that was outside of their faithfulness, right? So they had talent and they had skills and it got them into these incredible positions, but their character couldn't sustain them up there, right? They fell shortly after they were there uh, because they didn't have they didn't have the discipline, they didn't have the character, they didn't have the integrity to keep them in that kind of position. And there's very few things more tragic than an opportunity like that. Uh, when you're given an opportunity and you can't hang on to it because your character is not there. 
Some of you in this room are waiting for that promotion, waiting for that next step, waiting to be elevated in some way before you start developing discipline in your life. And I'm just here to tell you that's not the way that it works, right? Faithfulness, right? The story of the parables. Because you've been faithful with little, I'm going to give you more, right? It's a biblical principle. The more faithful we are, the more that the Lord uh, gives back to us because we proved ourselves faithful to him. We're faithful first. We're faithful first. The second thing is that faithfulness chooses obedience over outcomes. Faithfulness chooses obedience over outcome. We're faithful for the sake of being faithful, not because we're looking for a reward. We're faithful for the sake of faithfulness, not because we're looking for a reward. Here's how I think about it. When I'm driving, right, when I'm driving and I'm driving the speed limit, I'm obedient because I don't want a ticket. I'm terrified of getting a ticket, right? Uh, I got a ticket when I was 16 years old with my entire family in the car. I was driving this massive brown van. Uh, it was huge, this huge conversion van. My entire family and my sister-in-law were in the car. I, was, I had my permit, and I was driving down this hill. If you've never driven in Pennsylvania, you're driving down a hill, and you've got to go up another hill. You're either going down a hill or going up another one. That's what it is in Pennsylvania. And I was trying to keep my speed up so that I didn't have to accelerate as much, but the cop got me right at the bottom. And since then, I'm terrified. I'm just terrified of getting a ticket. I've not lived it down. I have a lot of therapy I'm sure I need to do about this. But, I, um, <laughs> but I, I'm terrified of it. I'm obedient because I'm terrified. I'm afraid of that outcome, right? That's why I'm obedient. I think of another way of being obedient uh, in, uh, in terms of my covenant with my wife, right? I am faithful to my wife, not because I want something or need something from her, but because the faithfulness is the reward, right? The faithfulness is what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for something from her. All I want is faithfulness uh, that I'm giving and then receiving from her. There's two different kinds of faithfulness. Uh, let's choose the kind that doesn't require an outcome. I think of, I think of, um, I think of pastors uh, that I've seen that have served at the church, a local church, for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. They've served faithfully at their church. Very few people outside of their community know their name, uh, but they've chosen to stay obedient in the place that the Lord has called them to be for decades, making, making deep, deep connections with the people, being faithful to the Lord in that. One of the most profound things I've ever heard on this stage— it was from a local pastor. His name is Pastor, uh, pastor Amos from Cedar Valley. He was here, and he was talking, he was speaking a message, and he was talking about, he's like, hey, when people come to this chapel, they're going to tell you, uh, you can be a world changer. You're going to be a world changer. You're going to go change your world. And he's like, he's like, and that might be true, but today, what I'm here to tell you is this. Today, let's be faithful. Today, let's choose to be faithful, and then let's trust God for the impact of that faithfulness right? We're not faithful looking for an outcome or looking for an impact. We're faithful because that's what the Lord requires. That's what the Lord asks is faithfulness. Can I have the band come up? The last uh, point, uh, so we've had uh, consistency over comfort. We've had obedience over outcomes. And then number three, faithfulness is a response to the Lord being faithful to us first. There really isn't, it's very much like the love paradox, right? We love because Christ loved us first. There's no way we could understand love if Christ hadn't loved us first. It's the same idea. Christ was faithful to us first, and that's how we even have the ability to respond in faithfulness. To illustrate that, I want to tell you a story. Um, I want to tell you a story. So, uh, 
like I said at the very beginning of this message, my wife is a, is a runner. She's a marathoner, and she's a fast marathoner. And one of the greatest honors that a marathoner can ever receive is qualifying for the Boston Marathon. Uh, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's this honor. You have to run under a certain speed. It's way faster than I've ever run in my life. Uh, and most, and those people do it for 26 miles. Um, it's, uh, incredible. So it's a great honor to be invited to the Boston Marathon. So my wife got, uh, invited to the Boston Marathon and it was, uh, while we were pregnant, while she was pregnant, I wasn't pregnant, she was pregnant. And, um, and so she had our daughter, Reagan, who I introduced, Reagan, and, uh, and then four months later, she ran the Boston Marathon. Four months later. And in that time, my wife was like, like just convinced. She's like, Jeremy, you have to come to the marathon. You have to come watch me run the Boston Marathon uh, because it's such an honor. And I thought to myself, I don't know how to be a dad at my own house, let alone taking my four-month-old daughter to a city that I've never been in before to experience something I've never even seen with, you know, hundreds of thousands of people watching this race. And so I was like, Brie, I can't come. And she said, okay, what if you just stood at the finish line? What if you just waited at the finish line for me to cross and then we could meet? You don't have to go anywhere. You could just be there. And I was seriously considering it, but, but eventually uh, decided, you know, I just don't think that's a good decision for us. And she was very disappointed. So my wife went out and ran the Boston Marathon. And she ran... Uh, a good race, right? She ran a great race. She finished the race. And uh, when my wife runs, she has low blood pressure. So her lips turn purple uh, every time she runs a long distance. So they send her to the medic tent, which is right next to the finish line. And it was right then in the finish line that my wife heard the first explosions from the bombs at the Boston Marathon uh, while she was in the medic tent, a half block away from the finish line, right where I would have been standing had I, had, uh, had I come to, uh, to see her at Boston. I um, remember getting texts. I was in grad school at the time. I got, remember getting texts and calls from my friends while I was sitting in class, and I went up to tell my teacher, my professor, and I said, I, I think I need to go home. I don't know what's going on right now. So I went home. I got my daughter, and I'm standing there holding my daughter and, uh, and thinking, I don't know what's going on. So eventually I get this text from my wife, and she said, hey, Jeremy, I'm okay. We're further away. The, the, everything is shut down in the city. We're trying to find a place to get out. She just run 26 miles and then had to walk another four or five to get to a place that uh, was safe. And uh, she got to that place, and she gave me a call, and she said, Jeremy, could you send me a picture of Reagan and you? Can you send me a picture? Can you throw that picture up? This is the picture that I sent. You're probably like, how is he so good looking? It's a good question. That's the picture that I sent her. And I remember thinking, when I look at this picture, I see a lot of uncertainty. I see a lot of fear, right? Because I didn't know what was going on. And actually, interestingly, the next couple days would be even more scary than the first couple days. I'm not going to get into that. But my wife got home, and she uh, did the hard work of kind of recovering from that trauma over the next year. And it was about Boston Marathon season again. And she said, hey, I qualified for the Boston Marathon. Should we go again? And I said, absolutely not. Um, And she said, but I really want to. I think I need to reclaim this experience. And I said, okay, if that's what you want to do, we're going to do it. So she and I went to the Boston Marathon because I thought there's no way in this entire world I'm sending you to Boston without me again, just for the future, for the rest of our lives. 
Um, so I left my daughter here uh, with her in-laws, and, uh, and then I went to uh, Boston with my wife. And my wife ran the Boston Marathon and honestly had an awful race. She, like, threw up several times while she was running, which is unusual. She, like, didn't run fast. She was dehydrated. Just all those kind of things. Just a bad race. But at the end of it, she was so happy that she had had an opportunity to reclaim that experience. A couple weeks later... Uh, we find out the reason that she had had such a bad race was because we were pregnant again. And in, uh, I introduced him at the beginning, but my son's name is Boston. My middle son's name is Boston. And every single night before Boston goes to bed, we pray uh, 1 Samuel 12, 14 over him, which says Samuel took a single rock and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, rock of help, saying, this marks the place where God has helped us. Every single day when I look at my son, he is a reminder of the Lord's faithfulness and his provision in our lives. Every single day. We're faithful because Christ was faithful first right? We only have the opportunity to be faithful back to the Lord because he was faithful to us first. And so I don't know where you are in your life right now. I'm not sure what's going on in your life, but listen, I want to challenge you to be faithful to the Lord. Be faithful in the small things. No uh, great act of faithfulness started there. It starts with small, uh, small decisions, small choices of obedience Uh, a long time ago. And I want to encourage you, build your obedience, build your faithfulness, build your character while you're here so that when you're out of North Central and you're getting opportunities, your character can sustain you in those positions. I also think there's probably some of you who just need to be reminded that the Lord's been faithful in your life, right? And so I would challenge you, I would encourage you, create some space for you to create an altar to the Lord, right? When the Israelites crossed over the Jordan, they set up these stones and Joshua said, the reason the stones are here is so that for generations, you'll be able to tell your children, this is where the Lord brought you through, right? We create altars in our lives so that we can remember that the Lord has been faithful to us. And I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you, if you're having a hard time remembering the Lord's faithfulness in your life, will you create some space to create an altar? Right now, right in this space, we have time uh, and I would encourage you uh, for the next couple minutes, for as long as you need, if you want to uh, pray about faithfulness, if you want prayer, I'd be happy to pray with you. If you want to pray about an altar in your life, I'd be happy to pray with you about that too. But let's create some space uh, to think and to pray and to reflect on God's faithfulness to us and then our response to him. Jesus, we are grateful people. God, we have so much to be grateful for. God, I've, I've seen your hand of protection and provision this week. God, I know that you provide. I know that you protect. I know that you've been faithful. You've created covenant with us. And Father, we respond in like manner. Father, we respond uh, because you loved us, because you were faithful to us first. God, I pray for everyone in this room, God, that you show up and you reveal yourself uh, as, as the God of faithfulness in their life. God, I pray that you see them. God, I pray that you hear them. God, I pray that you be with them, be near to them right now. In Jesus' name, Father, we love you. We're a grateful people. In Jesus' name, amen.